0: Thank you very much, everybody. Friedman, it's uh, can everybody hear me? Yes, yeah, in the back, okay, good. Um, really a pleasure to be here. Obviously, I have to start by saying uh, it's always a pleasure to speak in front of my parents. Uh, a very special honor. Everyone else can, well, my mother in law is here, my mother in law. So, there'll be three people who I know will like this year, so everybody else you can really leave. Um, so I appreciate it. I'm kidding, Khalilah. But uh, uh, it's always a, a big COVID and, and, and something I don't take, don't take for granted. So uh, Bishus, uh, my mother, my father, my mother-in-law. Uh, so it's, uh, and, and also just great to be here um, with really a nice crowd um, to learn, to learn. This is such a, a special program. I've never had the opportunity to be here um, at this program on a weekday morning because usually I'm in Washington Heights on weekday mornings. Um, I should say shalom aleichem to everybody on Zoom. Also nice to see everybody. Um, but uh, really a special program, and really appreciate all that Rabbi Friedman and that uh, Rabbi Feldman do to make this program happen for all of our community members. And uh, glad to be able to be a part of it. Um, I asked Rabbi Friedman and uh, Rabbi Feldman, you know what what happens in a partial year? What's the title? You know, it's a partial year. Something specific. They told me I have a little bit of flexibility, so I got it as flexible as it could possibly get. Um, in terms of a topic, but I'll tell you why I think it's actually related both to this week's parsha um, as well as related to um, the time period in which we find ourselves. The the Torah tells us this is not in your source sheet, and I know there's a lot of Hebrew words in the source sheet. I'll, I'll explain everything. If you don't want to even use it, that'll be okay too. In um, Bechu the, in the Tochacha, in, in, in the rebuke, so Hashem tells us in imi if you're going to walk with me, carry. And use the language six, seven different times. If you walk with me in this way, whatever carry is, so I'm going to do the same thing with you. And there are different explanations about it. We're shown him what does it mean, follow with me in this way, carry. And the Orachaim Makadur says what it means is, same way that Amalek, we refer to Amalek, they just showed up, happenstance, because Amalek believes that there is no creator, there's no one who's controlling the world. There's no one who's pulling the strings. And so in you means walk, you walk with me, says Hashem, but you don't really believe that I'm doing things in the world, and you don't, therefore you don't respond to things that happen in the world. You don't respond to my activity, my placing my hand in the world. So then Hashem says, so I won't, then I won't do it. <coughs> then history will, will go on its own, and I won't pull the strings, maybe, in the way you'd like me to. Um, and I think that um, the idea of being aware of the Yad Hashem, having an awareness of the things that our does in the world certainly applies very much to this time of year. Just finished Yom Atzimut just a couple of weeks ago. Yom Yushalayim is on Sunday. Um, and it calls upon us to, we see Yad Hashem in such an obvious, obvious way. So it calls upon us to respond. Rabbi David Miller tells us, told the story that Rabbi David Miller is the uh, Rosh Kolon grus in, uh, in Yushalayim. NYU, the YU Israel Kolel in, in, in Yushalayim. And he told the story he was learning in, in, in America at that point, in YU, just before the Six-Day War. And he was about to go back to Israel. And Salavechik came over to him. He knew he was going to Israel. And he said to him, I have one son, his son, Dr. Chaim Salavechik was in, in Jerusalem. And he said, I don't know if my, I'm going to see him ever again. He said, do me a favor, give him a hug and tell him that I love him. I don't know if he said, give him a hug. That's so brisker, you know. But I think he said, tell him I love him very much. Right? The, the, the Yad Hashem that existed in the moment of, of 67 is, you know, for someone like me, he wasn't alive. Um, but for, for many of those who, who, who did see it in a way that I can't even describe, right? It was something that, uh, undescribable, right? The, that Yad Hashem. And it calls upon us to respond in the sense of to, to recognize that this made a difference in the world, made a difference in our lives. And we respond with halal, but we respond also as as from Jews do, as Torah Jews do, by learning the relevant halachos that become important to us, not just in theory, right, but when nineteen forty eight came about, and then all the wars that followed, so that brought to the fore all of a sudden all these halachos that were theoretical, all of a sudden became real life. And they became shalas that the postcam had to deal with because they were real people who were dealing with these questions. And one such shalah, which is actually a very fascinating question, is the following question. Uh, when I was uh, in fifth grade, I had a teacher. His name was Mr. Cohen. <laughs> Surprisingly, I think he was a Cohen. Um, and Mr. Cohen was—he told us—I was only in fifth grade, but he—he he told us. He showed us pictures that he was a paratrooper in '67. He was a paratrooper, I believe. He was there when they went into the old city, Mr. Cohen. Um, And I remember as kids, we would sometimes ask him questions that kids want to know about soldiers, and he wouldn't answer them. You know, what was it like? He had a gun. We'd ask questions like that. I remember he refused to answer those questions, and we would just go on. He wouldn't talk about it. And I don't know what happened or didn't happen in in his time in the army, but I know that he's a Cohen. And the following question that exists for any cohen who goes to the army and would go to the IDF um, and would have to open fire on enemy combatants would be the following question, because look at source number one. Source number one in your sheet is a Gemara that discusses the following shal, which is not our shal, but you see it's going to be related. Um, and, and this is really a question that kind of brings together halacha, hashkafa, you know, derech eretz. You know, how do we, how do we? How do we respond and deal with people who have given so much to us? And how do we how chazal, do, how, do, how, do, how, do, how do the poskim deal with such people? So it really brings together so many different interesting questions. So we'll, we'll go one by one. The Gemara says as follows, If you have a Kohen who harag esanefesh, how would we de- by, the way, by the way, I'm going to talk with the microphone and stuff, but I'd love to hear what you have to say. Um, how would you define the words harag esanefesh? kill somebody? Murdering him, murdering him. Ah, so would you use the word m- murder? What other word could you use? Okay, so we're going to see. So a Kohen, but this, we don't know what this Gemara is talking about yet. This Gemara just says, Kohen shaharag esenevish, a Kohen who takes someone else's life. Somehow. Right? What happens? Lo yisa es kapov. That Kohen is not permitted to be Duchen. Cannot go up and bless Am Yisrael. Why not? Why, why is it, a lot of other things that happen because that person committed, if they committed murder, why are they not allowed to Malayu, The pasuk for you in source number two, it's a pasuk in Yeshayahu. The Navi says to Am Yisrael, and it's important to know the context of the story. Yeshayahu is giving, is 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 chastising Am Yisrael and saying to them, if you're involved in murder. Right? Presumably, murder of each other, speaking to Am Yisrael, right? You're going to treat each other this way, and then you're going to pick up your hands. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to pay attention. Right? You're going to lift your hands up, you and want, you want me to. The Kohanim don't bless us, right? Karash right? Baruchu does. When Hashem, when a Kohen lifts, lifts his hands up in the air and gives the Baruch at Amishal, it says the Torah, Hashem is the one who gives that bracha so Hashem says you can lift your hands up I'm not interested in those hands why? because those hands are full of blood okay, is Hashem literally speaking to individuals who took a life maybe yes maybe no maybe he means that the, the community as a whole was involved in this type of behavior but if that's true says Rebun I'm not interested in your in many many language language like this from the uh, from the all the time Right, You can bring korbanos. I'm not interested in your korbanos. Amar Hashem. And I, don't bring your, I, I don't want korbanos. I want you to treat each other with respect. Right? Over and over and over again. Hashem gives that message over. Fine. So therefore, says the Gemara, a Kohen who has, who has let's say, committed murder and then wants to do Sorry, that's not, that's not going to work. Not, the same hands that did such a horrible thing cannot then go ahead and and it. Rav Yashiv, in source number three, in his not his halachic works, but in one of his, uh, Rav Yashiv was known not just for his piskei halacha. Rav Yashiv um, also had a, a number of svarim on, on the Gemara, and he just he writes, he says bira. I want to understand. He says my Why are we singling out tochining? What about the Cohen can't work in the beis Mikdash? Why specifically focus on that issue? She writes, Let's say a person was about to kill somebody, and two witnesses say, By the way, if you kill that person, just know you're going to be chayav misa, they're going to kill you in bedzin." and the person says, I don't care, I'll do it anyways. And he's going to be, you know, has to get, get, get capital punishment. Nevertheless, the halacha is that person's allowed to actually work in the base of media. So, that, why that is is a good question. But they are. If you ask a Kohen, ask any Kohen, right? What would you rather do, duchen on Yontif morning, or work in the base Hamidrash? Any Kohanim here? What would you choose? Beis That's what I would choose. And nevertheless, you're allowed to work in the base Hamidrash. You can't do Nisias Kapayim. So what's the difference? Says Rav and this point, this going to be important as we move along. V'nira shechilok nisias kapayim yishar avodah Yesiyas kapayim is different than the rest of the avoda. Sh'atam shekohen shaharag nefesh asr kapayim hum yishum kategor nases anegor. What's kategor in, kategor nases sanegor? What does that mean? Anybody know? Campaign, the, the right, the prosecutor cannot become a defense attorney. That's the same reason why the Kohen Gadot doesn't wear his gold investments inside the Karosh Kadashim on, on Yom Kippurim because you can't allow the, the, the gold that was used for the chete Egel you don't bring that, that gold now into the, 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 the gold is a, an attack on us. If you don't take that same gold and use it, Hashem, here I am with gold. The gold reminds Hashem of the bad things that we've done. So if you take hands that have done something horrible, like murder, you can't use those same hands and now use them to be the defense attorney. Use them to bless amisha that's, that's the svar, at least, the reason why. Yes. So we. Really, so we see that uh, it's not so partial. Meaning, beis hamidrash also. In terms of base of good, good. So the truth is, we know that. Yeah, correct. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. Very good. That 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 Governor Melech. One of the the reason why Governor Melech, even though he purchases the plot for the beis Amidash he's not the individual who's going to build it. Why? Shift over for a second. I have it here for you, I think. Recorded I it here? I think I did. Maybe not. We'll see it later. The Gemara says, the, 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 the Navi says to David. Right? Nasser the Navi tells him, He says, You've killed too many people. Right? You've killed too many people, and therefore you are not allowed to build a base of be. We're going to get to this in a little bit because there's a big difference between David and Melech and someone who commits murder out of anger and just hates somebody right it's big, a huge difference what's the difference yeah David and Malik's spilling of blood most of the time most of the time right was was for for the right reasons he was supposed to he was supposed to wage wars on behalf of Ami so that was his job as the king yeah not as directly related to the hands. Right, just to repeat it for anyone who didn't hear, the, the, the idea that it's the hands themselves are the conduit in the, in the, in the C.S. the In fact, we all know right, as, as children, right, even today, what do we do? We cover our eyes during the we're not supposed to, by the way, we're not supposed to turn around. Some people have that minute. They turn around. You're not supposed to turn around. Someone's giving you a bucket, You should, you should face it. You just look away. Or, or men cover their heads to the talus. And kids are told well, don't look at the quantum's hands. Why? Because you're going to go blind. Because it's shechina on the fingertips. Because in the base hamidash that was not true. All right? The shechina was on the hands of the quantum. Not today. But we still have that. Right? But yeah, that's it. just to bring that idea of the hands being the conduit. Right? Good. Okay. So let's keep going. Look at the Rambam. In source number four. The Rambam in and Nesiyas Kapayim writes: Haverah Ketsud. He's talking about a kohen did vera. Kohen shaharagas hanefesh. Af alpi Asa chuvah. Even though the Kohen did Shuvah for what he did, etc. So says the Rambam, even if the person did Shuvah, it doesn't make a difference. What was done was done. Fascinating. Usually we say, he did Shuvah, he did Shuvah. But the Rambam says it's not true. And the Shulchanorach is like the Rambam in source number five. Kohen, shaharag, even if it wasn't on purpose. Shogeg, we'd say, you know, negligent homicide. Right? The best probably the best example. I'm saying the best. There's no no best here, right? One of the, the colloquial examples of negligent homicide today, and you know what would we probably what probably be the prime example? Texting while driving. A Person's texting and driving and would and we'll get in an accident and tell somebody it's a mistake, right? It was negligence. Right? So that would be negligent homicide. So if that happens, says the says, says the says the even Beshowiklo says, Kaba wafilu a even if he did chuva. Yes. We have examples in the Torah such as Pinchas who killed some people. So we saying that he couldn't do it once he became... There actually are opinions that, that Pinchas was not allowed to uh, because, because, of the mur- because of the murder that he... what he did, even though what he did was permissible. You're right. Pinchas is actually a complicated figure. Pinchas is more complicated because he actually... Because, the question was, what about Pinchas? Pinchas commits murder And actually Pinchas is His He wasn't a Kohen Kohen when he killed He actually becomes a Kohen Because he killed Pinchas Right Was born Right Was was born before Right That Allah and And Aramun's children Become Kohanim And therefore He actually Never was a Kohen Because he commits murder He becomes a Kohen Which is fascinating Maybe we'll leave Pinchas aside For the minute But you're right It's a fascinating Conversation about Pinchas also Um but let's, go, let's, uh, let's keep going. So the, the Or Zarua, we won't read it in time for now, The Or in source number six, Yitzchak and Moshe from Vienna, so he, he writes actually, he doesn't think this is correct when it comes to person who does tshuva. He says someone who does tshuva, he thinks, would be off the hook in this, halal, in, the, in this case. And he says he has a Kabbalah from his reb, rebbe, that this case is specifically for a person who didn't do tshuva, but if a person did tshuva, so they would be allowed to be nosi as kapav. He has a, a source from the Yushalmi that seems to contradict this gemara. If, if we can, you know, bring the two together and, and, and not have not have a contradiction, I'd rather do that. He says so. He thinks if you did tshuva, you can you can actually be nosi as kapav. And, and source number seven, the, the Ramah, on that law and writes, "V'yesh omrim dim asa tshuva nosi kapav." V'yesh and this, look what he writes beautifully. We should someone who does tshuva, we should allow them to duchen. Why? Because if we don't, what does it make them feel like? What's my tshuva? It's gonna. It's gonna. It's almost like there's an opportunity for the person. You know, if I do tshuva, I'll be reaccepted, and I'll be I'll be taken back in. I'll be allowed to duchen again. Imagine. And he says, if you don't do that, you are noel delas. We have that language a lot of times in the Chazal. Don't don't lock the door in front of bale tshuva. Allow them the opportunity to feel like they can come back in. And this isn't 2022. This is, you know, the 1500s. Right? Don't, don't lock the door in front of Balei Tshuva, says Ramah. And therefore, someone who does Tshuva, they could Taka, they could go ahead and they could, and they could duchin. However, if you look at the Mishnah Brewer right there, he says, They're, they're still Maha who say that if a person did it on purpose, right, B'Mezid, meaning they did it, you know, they were angry and decided to kill somebody, even if they did we still wouldn't let him in. And there's a whole conversation in the Akronim, what would happen for such a person if they, it, or do we really accept this, Ramah? But the truth is, um, and, 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 all, and for the same reason, in as nasa neighbor. Because again, concerned of, look what this person did. I, certain things that we can't accept as a community. A person acts in a certain way, we have to, you know, sometimes painfully, we have to distance certain individuals to do certain things. Because communally we have to have a certain standard. Fine. But none of this, really, is our case. Why not? Why is our case different? A soldier who goes into battle, who goes into Janine, to find a terrorist. And he gets caught in a, in a gun battle. And he kills three Hamas terrorists. Does halacha apply to this person? What would you say? Okay, you have to define harag. What does it mean? He is that murder? I think we would not say that's murder. That's self-defense. That's you know, it's, it's a mitzvah. You're saving, you're saving, saving lives by killing these killing these people, right? What else? Okay, does it matter? Is it, is it? Yeshayahu is talking, just as a reminder, not, it's absolutely, let's <laughs> make it clear, it is categorically forbidden, and maybe even worse, for, for a Jew to kill a non-Jew. Absolutely, categorically forbidden to kill a non-Jew. That was Shailah in the post right? But is this, is this halakha about Jews within themselves? Right? A Jew killed another Jew, and then you want to stand up and right, maybe technically... That halacha applies because the source, and we're going to see some Akron who say this, the source of the isser, yeah, is yadeichem damim maleu. your hands are full of, of, of murdering each other, you can't stand up and then bless Am Yisrael. Maybe if I'm, if I'm you know, dealing with enemy combatants who are not Jewish, maybe, that makes, maybe that's not the same thing. Okay? What else? You know, the difference is, person's going out to do a mitzvah, right? of, of defending Am Yisrael. Right? Does that make a difference? What if the person didn't choose to go to the army or they didn't choose if they're forced not just true today in the idf but was true when you were living in russia in soviet russia right so many years ago and today Uh, okay okay but if you're forced into that scenario does that make a difference Ah, oh, so, so, but, but, I mean, you, you, What do you mean? I'm forced. You can't be forced to kill somebody. If you're forced to kill, you're supposed to, you're supposed to be killed first, right? So this is where we get into a fascinating conversation about our shell, about Arsha. Okay, so this is the pasuk in source number eight, by the way. Is the, is the pasuk we talked about with, with David Melech? I lied I lied Hashem. More dam rov Right, that David Melech has told you killed you. You're, you've Spill too much blood. You cannot build a house for me. Says Hashem. Hashem told David Amelach, sorry, you've done amazing things. You're David Amelach, you can't build a base of Because you've been too involved. Your hands are too full of blood. Okay. I just read source number eight. Sorry, that's source number eight. Okay. So the Radak points out, and we, 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 I want to keep moving along. That it's important to point out that David and Melech, for the most part, for the, Uriah might be one ex, ex, exception. Uriah, he didn't kill. Uriah, who was the husband of Bathsheba, right? And David, after he takes Bathsheba, sends Uriah to the front, to the front lines. He takes him with a sealed note. And he, and he says, put, and Uriah doesn't know what it says inside. And he basically says, send him to the front lines so that he'll be killed. So David didn't kill him, but he, he caused his death, right? right? Caused his death. But besides Uriah, David and David had touched for that his whole rest of his life. But David, the rest of his life is involved in legitimate wars, right to uh, to conquer I mean, to conquer uh, Eretz Israel in order to defend Eretz Israel. and nevertheless he's not going to be allowed to build a base on me. Eretz Soloveitchik was asked this question about IDF soldiers, and he gave a very strong and difficult psak. Ruchehter and Nefesh Arav in source number ten quotes the approach of Eretz Soloveitchik. And Resolvitchik writes, he writes like this, Kaimalan the Kohen, Sheharag a nefesh, lo yisayas kapov, it's a halach, and shokhan arach, that a person, a who kills somebody, cannot, cannot do, nisias uh, Kapayim, cannot do, he's talking about the Rav, Hayasovur <laughs> she'af, chayo sahal shaharag mechayle ha'oyev, b'makom mitzvah, gam kein pasol, lo nisiyas kapayim, Resolvitchik was of the opinion, that even soldiers, in Sahel, he said, would be in this category, and would not be allowed to do it. The Rav said, I know that the Halacha says, that person does tshuva, etc. I mean, not that not the a soldier would have to do chuva, they didn't do anything wrong. But the point is that David didn't do anything wrong either. And nevertheless, he wasn't allowed to be involved in building the base of Migdash, And so the Rav felt that this would be the halacha. We're going to find many others who do not agree with the Rav. But it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, a I find it almost a shocking psak. It's, it's a hard thing to ever tell somebody. Yeah. When you kill somebody, your whole being and personality changes. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, that when they were talking about Pimchas, because he killed somebody, there was even the word shalom put in there that he should have the brachah of shalom. Because it changes Then The Nitziv writes, because, because he needed the brach of Shalom because when you act in a certain way, it, it, changes, it changes who you him. are. Yes. So, in my mind, I don't think, I think they should be... Right. <laughs> um, I think it, it depends on how you have become after you've killed, in my eyes. Right. If you can... Be able to do that. Be able to do Yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very interesting question. So we're going to see a couple of other and a few others who did not agree with the Rav. yeah. Which would validate not being No, I I don't think the rub thinks, just to be clear, I don't think the rub thought it was a punishment. I don't think the rub was saying that this was in any way Khalili, even the Rav, who whose who see is the most machmir on this, yeah, He 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 does not think Khalili was a punishment, it's a punishment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the rub was actually the one who writes that the you know, soldiers who, who he, he talks about the Kedusha of the flag. Uh, the flag, right, that, 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 that he talks about in the last moments before 1948 where they, they were told there's going to be a ceasefire in X number of hours. And they were basically people who were soldiers who literally gave up their life to stick a flag in. The, any area you stuck a flag in the ground was going to become the state of Israel, right? And there are people who, who literally ran, ran through gunfire to stick flags in the ground in different places to, to conquer just a little more land. And the Rav said that's why the, the, the flag of the state of Israel has, has a, a Kedusha in a certain sense. From those, from those individuals who, who gave their life for it. But yeah, but, but, yeah so just that we, but it's an important point. We shouldn't think, even if the Rav says this sock, it's not about chalil or something that the person did wrong. But, it, but, it, but, but that's probably why the sock is so hard. Because it feels like that. It feels like that. Right? And we're going to come back to that at the way I end. The Titz Eliezer in source number 11, we're not going to read the whole Shuba, but the Tzitz Eliezer in source number 11 of Waldenberg, who was one of the, 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 the great, great post um who lived into the 21st century, passed away in 2006. And Waldenberg asked, answered, you know, Waldenberg's gotten thrust back into the limelight a little bit uh, because he was one of the main, um, main post skim who talked about the permissibility of abortion in cases of tay and really brought that to the front. So in the conversations now we're having, Ro, Roe v. Wade, etc. where the Sicily Ezra is, is getting quoted you know, every day. Um, but he's, he's, you know, it was a gonolam, olum. And the Sicily Ezra, writes, takes the approach of talking about one of the questions. Maybe he says, this argument isn't even an argument because maybe technically it doesn't apply to someone who kills a non-Jew. Again, not because he thinks that killing a non-Jew is permissible. It's not. It's, it's this, you can't kill a an non-Jew. Khalilah. But because of this concept of the Yeshayahu, that the source of the din is damla larov is Yadacha uh, Adam right, the that Yeshayahu was was chastising Am Yisrael for the way they were treating each other, and that's the source of this of this iser. So therefore of, of this you know response to someone who does such a thing. So therefore he said perhaps you could argue that it doesn't apply to someone who uh, has has killed non-Jews, um, and therefore he would argue in this case it wouldn't it wouldn't apply. But I want, I want to get to uh, Moshe Feinstein and uh, Ravad Yosef. So take a look at source number 12. Source number 12 is a tshuva for Moshe. A short tshuva where he talks not about... And these questions didn't originate with questions in the IDF. They originated with questions of Jews who were conscripted into the Tsar's army and to other foreign armies and forced to fight. And then imagine the following. You had Jews... On both sides of these armies, and you had Jews who would end up killing other Jews who were on the other side because they were forced. And then they would come to the post and like, what, well, I, 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 like, like, like so, What am I going to do? So if Moshe writes as follows: Ubedavar Kohen Shnilkach Latzava Kohen who was, ta- who was taken, nilkach, taken against his will to the army. And he, you know, did what he was supposed to do. Kill people in, in battle. It's obvious, says remosha that he's permitted to duchin. The Allah is in Aruch. what happens in the following case? A person, so there's a lot of like not so pleasant scenarios in this in this shira I'm sorry but. one of the cases What imagine someone goes to somebody else and they say to him go and kill that person or I'm going to kill you so what's the halacha? you have to be killed you can't do it right? not surprisingly not every person is up to the task not everybody can do that some people they, they, they don't they, they fail the test and they do it and they kill somebody what's the halacha of that person? Right, what's their status? let's say where they're coming. They were forced to kill. Right? So in Moshe writes, we say that that person is what we call an onus. He was forced. It wasn't, it was, he was forced by penalty of death. He shouldn't have done it. But once it is done, it wasn't done by mezid. It wasn't done by shog, It was done by onus. It, it had no interest in doing such a thing. They were forced to do it. And the luck is that such a person, kendochana, a common kendochana afterwards. Why? Because he didn't do it by mezid. He, 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 he was forced to. He was forced to. Even though that case says in Moshe, I'm on mean, the third line, was the case that you, he should have been killed, right? He shouldn't have done it in the first place. He, he, he failed. He didn't do it. Well, he, he did. He, he murdered. Because right? the bottom line is not going to get punished because he was in Anus, right? This halacha of a person who's forced in halacha. And where it's underlined, Certainly, he says, certainly by person. If that's true of a person who was put, someone put a gun to their head and said, "Murder somebody, or I'm going to murder you," and they and they and they failed the test and they do it they, and they kill that person. They're allowed to dochin. Certainly, he says, Khomer, Certainly, for a person who was forced to go to the army, it had no choice. v'lo He didn't do any iser. Shira shy, he's allowed. of Lisa as of. And the remotion does not have a very long tshuva. Remotion does not have tshuva to go pages and pages and pages. This one is one paragraph. He says, not a question to me at all because the person was required and forced to do so. Okay. That helps for which individuals? It helps for people who were, who were conscripted into the Tsar's army or any other foreign army. It helps for Israelis. Israeli children who grew up in Israel and they are... Drafted into the army, right? Who does it not help help for? Volunteers, Volunteers. It doesn't help for all the wonderful young men and women Long who come from Tenek, lone soldiers. soldiers who do an an amazing thing and they go to Eretz Yisrael and they serve in the army. I was born in Israel. I was born in Israel. I'm a Sabra. I have an Israeli passport. I did not serve in the army, and I continue. I kind of carry that with me, maybe. Right? I think my parents. I was born in Israel, but I was I was raised in America. And, I, and I, I didn't. And then there were so many kids who were not born in Israel and, and, they, and they go to the army for 18 months, for three years. It's amazing, right? This of Moshe is not going to help them. Why? Why doesn't it help them? Because they're not forced. They choose it. They choose to go. So Rav Moshe is a, a, a powerful tshuva. It helps a lot, of, a lot of us. It doesn't help everybody. It doesn't help everybody. So take a look. Take a look at source number 14. A tshuva from Reva Yosef in Yechav and Ravadia, in source number fourteen, was asked the same question, and his question is asked specifically about soldiers in the IDF. Revadia writes as follows: Shela on the top of the page, at the top of the trupa, Koanim Chayaleit Sava Haganaal Yisrael. Sheh start vu be kirovos be kravos neged tva os yardein ve surya they have to go to war against egypt against jordan against the syrian army the mara israel and jewish in jewish battles upagu va haguma khaylei ayev they killed enemy combatants Haim dinam ke kohen shehar gesa nefesh shein no of varech israel but they had the status of a kohen who killed somebody and they not allowed to do so he writes as follows. Tshuva. Second paragraph. Mesechas brachos. Everyone see where I am? Second paragraph? Again, if I'll, transla- I'll translate each word so you don't have to worry. Mesechas brachos umram, yochan, corrid, sharat senefesh loyuskab he tells us the Gemara that we started with, a can kill somebody, they can't they can Why? Uh, because of the Pasuk that we mentioned before. Is it true, if you kill it, non-Jew, etc. Talks about that also. But then he says, forget that whole conversation. Go to the next paragraph. Forget all this. First of all, he says, we talked about the case of Moshe. If somebody's forced, he can do it. So he writes... V'im came where it's bolded. So first of all, he agrees of Moshe is forced. Of course he's forced. He's he's standing to they are they're firing at us. I gotta fire back. What are you talking about? That's my job. That's the greatest onus there is. Right? He doesn't talk about the fact that he's conscripted versus whether he, whether he even volunteers. But the fact of the matter is, once you're in the army and your job is to stand in front of the uh, in front of the Enemy, of course you fire on the enemy. That's what your job is. That's what you're supposed to do. If someone comes to kill you, you kill them first. That's, that's how it goes. That's how it works. But then he goes to the next paragraph, where it's bolded. Certainly here. Who are standing... To defend the Jewish people and our land. These individuals, he writes, these nations are coming to destroy all of us. Men, women, and child. To wipe us off the map, it didn't stop. It's still there today. When you go to war Against enemies who want to destroy you That is mechamis Mitzvah And by the way, from mechamis Mitzvah Every Jew is expected to Be a part of mechamis Mitzvah All of us Men and women Everyone in their own way he says, forget Anus, that the person is being forced. This is the person who's doing... Our case in the Shochan Aruch was a case of a person who did a chalil, a terrible aveira, right, and killed somebody. This is a person who's doing the greatest mitzvah. Such a person is not even for the whole thing doesn't start with that. So it says we're says, says, provided, nothing to talk about. Nothing to talk about. And he points out, what about David Melech? What about David and Melech? David Melech did wonderful things, and still he wasn't allowed to build a base on Megiddo. So he writes, if you look where it's underlined, in the next paragraph, right, what it says about David Melech, David Melech was like, spent a lot of time killing. There was a lot of killing. You read a lot of Tanakh, there a lot of killing. And once, when I was, uh, my first job ever, I worked in, in Charleston, South Carolina, and I was an assistant rabbi in the school there, and I worked on the campus, in the College of Charleston. I'm um, also in the Citadel Military College. So I, I used to like have these harussas with young people. Many of them had pretty, almost zero Jewish background, definitely no Orthodox background, but really had been, spent very little time learning about Judaism. So there's one young woman I was learning with, um, and she had come to, to some you know, interest in Judaism through learning Tanakh. And she said to me, she said, you know, you tell me that God is like so nice and he loves us and he cares about us. Says, if you look in the Torah, like God kills a lot of people. <laughs> 10,000 people die from a plague here and 20,000 people die from a plague there. <laughs> You're right. It's a good point. we got to learn more. But right, if, you, if you look in the Torah, there's a, a lot of killing. It's a lot of killing. Um, certainly in the times of, of David and there was a lot, of, a lot of war. and a, a lot. So everybody writes, maybe in, in that case, and he writes, Umash lo haye lemono. Well, just because he went to war. But it was because he was like so, so super involved in shvi in HaZumim all the time. In a way that, that you know, is unusual. And maybe that's why. Um, but nevertheless, um, nevertheless, he says, I just want to say another, another uh, line here, which is beautiful, that he writes here. Third line from the bottom of the tshuva, the last paragraph, he writes, right after the, the underline, he says, avalkam b'mochemes magein zu. He said, the original shalit said were about people who were forced to go to foreign armies. avalkam b'mochemes magein zu sheshmo nafsham b'kapam l'kadein they put their hands, literally they take their lives in their hands. We use the same phrase, right? But their lives in their own hands. To to to, to push back the enemy. nafshos israel. just the opposite, he says. Roy You shouldn't tell him not to dot the dochun. Fakir. You should raise him up as high as you can. Give them a The free to the first person to do him. Another 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 phrase. Without a shadow of a doubt. Of course they can. And they get blessed from Which, what hands would you want to have blessing you? Which hands does the Hakadosh Baruch Hu want to use as his conduit for this his blessing? Specifically, the hands of these individuals who literally put their lives in their hands to defend Am That's A beautiful tshuva makes you feel better, right? Um, it's a beautiful jufa It's a beautiful Um And the truth is, Rabbi Jackter points out here, Rabbi Jackter wrote, a, wrote a, 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 a a an article on this topic, and he points out um, that there seems to be support for this argument also from the Shulchan Aruch itself. The Shulchan Aruch talks about a, a, a terrible case, a case of chalila of, a, of a, a moel, a moel who does a bris and the baby passes away afterwards. So, what happens to that moel? What's a going? Can the moel, can the can the moel go ahead and dochen? So take a look in Shukhan Aruch in source number fifteen. Mal Vemes, v'meis chalila, nosi Continues a kohen can continue to to dochen. Why is that? Mishabura writes out, writes why in source number sixteen. Mishabura says why three reasons. won the mitzvah. He was doing a mitzvah. He wasn't doing something wrong. He was doing a mitzvah. Because who knows, maybe the child was sick anyways. But his point is that the fact that the, 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 the person was involved in a mitzvah is another reason to wipe away this issue. Because once the person is involved in a mitzvah, so this question really goes away. And therefore, not provided the needs our needs our support, Revit can support himself. Uh, but nevertheless, another reason to be, to be mitzvah. And, and Rabbi, rabbi Jack made one other point, which I thought was really fascinating. Take a look at source number 17. This is from Rabbi, rabbi article on this topic. And he writes in the, in, the, in the final paragraph on your on sheet. Finally, I recall from my years of study at Yeshiva Haaretzion that the Rebbe learned in, in Gush that the Kohanim who fought in the 1982 Lebanon War continued to dohin, despite the fact that the Rav's son in law and leading Talmud, Rev Arun Lichtenstein, was one of the Rosh Yeshiva at the time. Rev Lichtenstein was one of the closest Talmim of the Rav, Soma, and then, and then goes ahead and becomes the Rosh Shiva and the Rav had this very challenging psaq that these individuals who, who had, had killed somebody could not dochen. What was the psaq in the yeshiva? They go to dochen. All right, Luchzi did not take, uh, take the psaq of his father-in-law and instead took the psaq of the other, of Rivadi and others who uh, told him that, that they should Do. With the Rav's ruling to be followed, but watch this. With the Rav's ruling to be followed, it would deal a significant blow to the morale of Israeli soldiers for whom it is essential to enter combat with a clear and unambiguous understanding that the battles that they wage are clearly justified, both morally and halakhically. We should note that the Rav does not question the legitimacy of such battles, as he compares them to the wars of David Melech. Indeed, when asked by Kohanim who fought in the 1982 Lebanon War if they continued to perform the Siyas Kapayim, Rav Shaiyosh of Cohen responded with a resounding yes, stra- stressing the legitimacy of that war. Although the Rub's ruling emerges from both his profound reverence for human life and his deep moral character, it seems not to constitute normative halachic practice. Indeed, my Talmud, my is famous. It's a really beautiful thing. He's famous for, in all of his uh, articles he writes on topics, he consistently quotes students of his from TABC all the time. All the time. It's a, it's a beautiful practice. Indeed, my Talmud, Jesse Dunitz, I don't know Jesse, but Jesse was a student at TMZ, clearly. Reports of Aaron Lichtenstein told him that a Yeshiva Haaretzio and Kohanim, who have killed in battle, continue to do. This is the, the normal practice. This is the normal Psach. I've never heard anybody say that, that any soldier should not do. Should not I've, never, I've never heard, I never, never fielded the shayla because I live in America, but, um, but uh, I've never heard such a thing. Always heard that this psaq uh, of Revavadia, uh, of Moshe, of Lichtenstein, is really the, nor- the normative sack. But as you see from the shayla or from the way the question comes together, it, it, it's such an important, it, <laughs> you could take that last piece that listened, that Jackter points out, and use that itself as part of a, a reason to be made kiloso, right? If you're gonna tell soldiers, you go into battle and then you come back and somehow you're like stained, instead of coming back and you are honored, right? How, do, how does that impact morale of an army? Right, that itself could be part, it could be a pikuach nefesh involved in the shallah of this kind of like seeming detail of the csk when you return from war. Because by telling soldiers that they're going to have this stain on them, halilah, it could have that impact as well. So I think it's an important, this, this point is not just a, you know, a sensitivity, it is that also, but it has really much more, could have much more profound, uh, profound of an impact. So I think that really, you know, yeah, this is a specific halachic topic. But it really speaks to so much more, I think, to our, our like we said at the beginning, recognizing, not in telechem carry, but that we recognize the Yad Hashem in our lives, we recognize the Yad Hashem in our lives nationally, as a people, we recognize the Yad Hashem in our lives personally, um, and that the Tocha calls upon us to do so, and days like Yom HaTzimudim Yerushalayim call upon us to do so. And, and, and I think the beautiful way in which these, that reality has now translated into a, an entirely new I can't, you can't even count right, the way the, the vistas of Torah have been opened because of the state of Israel. We had a Rav Gidon Whiteson was at our shul a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he's, he's the director of PUA. And they deal with questions of fertility and IVF. It's, it, he was a, fa- it's a fascinating person. But he spoke Shabbos morning basically how it was the establishment of the state of Israel that actually has allowed these types of institutes like PUA to thrive. Because all these new shilas, and these are shilas in medical, medical research, but there's shilas in, in economic research, it's shilas in all types of areas, which now used to be we handed these questions over to other, in, to other nations. But now that we have our own state, we have to answer the questions for ourselves. And it has opened up a, in just an entirely new uh, new arena of, of, of halachic questions, hashkafic questions, that come out from that reality. So we should be zoha, to see the Yad Hashem more often, should continue to say the Yad Hashem and Am Yisrael in a positive way, continuing to protect Am Yisrael and moving us forward to a place where it's no longer looking at, uh, you know, Rashid Smikha's Gullah Saying but the Gullah Amen.